Hello, I'm your host, Gillian Semler. You're listening to Let's Talk, brought to you by Citilets and Arla Property Mart Scotland. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show for the world of property letting, investment, legislation, personal stories and much more. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's Talk at citilets.co.uk. I'm delighted to be joined again by Steve Coyle, Managing Director of Edinburgh-based Cullen Property. Morning, Steve. Good morning, Gillian. Nice good to be to, here again. Good Thank to you for see you back. again. Yeah, it feels like a long time. Now, today we're going to talk about short-term versus long-term letting. So let's start by defining a short-term let. Okay. Um, the reason we're talking about all this, obviously, is because it's topical. Suddenly, we've got this new uh, short-term letting legislation that's been drafted and is coming in. So that's the reason for the conversation, I guess, this morning. Um, a short-term let, and the first thing I would say is if anybody's listening to this and they haven't already obtained a copy and read the draft legislation, get a copy and read it because we'll cover some of the things here this morning, but I dare say there are things in there that people will be surprised are coming through yeah. um, and will absolutely affect all short-term letting operations throughout Scotland. Um, a short-term let, uh, as it's categorised in the legislation, is where, and, and they actually give a, a definition, and it says a short-term let means the use of residential accommodation provided by a host in the course of a business to a guest where certain criteria are met. So the, the, the guest is not used in the accommodation as their principal home. And that, that's the main difference. It's um, not your principal home, it's you're using it for a holiday letting. Um, you mentioned long-term letting. In a way, there's no such thing as long-term letting. There is, yeah, there, mm-hmm. there's the private residential tenancy letting or pure residential, yes. where you're letting a home as your own uh, primary home. But because of the private residential tenancy, that could be as little as 30 days. Yeah, there's no end date. There's there's no end date, so Mm -hmm. you could move in on a Monday, give notice on a Tuesday, and leave 28 days later. So you could be out in and out within a month. Mm -hmm. Um, So the the way to look at this is short-term letting, holiday, Airbnb, whatever other phrase you wish to use. Uh, Long-term letting, if we use that phrase, means residential. So there's been new legislation which comes into effect in October and its main purpose is to regulate the short-term market. So can you tell our listeners what's changing? Yeah, the, the, the we're really going from a, a pretty much unregulated short-term letting Airbnb market and you know, I'm not going to cover that. I think anybody listening to that will be aware of it. Um, but from the 1st of October, uh, the new legislation uh, will mean that the application system is open for you, if you're a short-term letting operator, to apply to obtain a license. And you'll have until the end of March 2023 to put your application in. Um, now the council, and we're only looking at Edinburgh Council's draft legislation yes. here, um, the council uh, are effectively giving themselves until the 1st of July 2024 to issue that license, because by then everybody who's operating must have one. A couple of things to note, if you haven't operated uh, a short-term letting previously, you cannot just start once you get past the 1st of October. You'd have to apply and receive your licence before you start doing it. The council will, or, or it says may, ask for evidence that you have been operating prior to applying for a licence if you when you apply. So okay. you, they are going to be checking this and, and watching it, yeah. uh, apparently. Um, so yes, there's a grace period after the end of March so the council can process applications, 
but those are the details and all this is covered in the legislation. Okay, well are there any short term let situations then that will be excluded from the licensing? Uh, okay, uh, yes and no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so uh, the, the, the phrase being used for uh, short-term letting is secondary letting. And it's important to remember that phrase. And so for secondary letting, it doesn't appear that there are going to be many um, exceptions or exclusions. But weirdly, um, you will uh, supposedly be able to apply for an exemption not to have a license at certain periods of the year as governed by the council. Okay. And I know that sounds a bit double dutch. Mm -hmm. So basically you apply to have something, uh, to not to have something that you don't already have. Yeah. Um, and that would be things like the Edinburgh Festival Fringe, uh, Edinburgh's Christmas and Hogmanay yeah. festivals, major sporting events or major international events. Yeah, okay. Um, but there are other things that we're not really going to cover that, that are known as home letting, where you've disappeared for a holiday and someone's using your house for a couple of weeks. Right. Home sharing, where you own it, someone's, you're letting a bedroom out. Um, and, and a couple of other categories that, that really we, we don't need to talk about today, but so we'll stick to the main, main throws. Right. But, but those are, if, if there are any exceptions, those are where they come in. It would be those. Okay, well, what will the application process involve then? Yeah, it's, it is quite involved, is the word. Um, the first thing, one of the first things, you will need to obtain planning permission. Now, you're not doing anything to the property, but you'll need to obtain planning because you will be changing it uh, from a change of use, from residential use to commercial use. And the phrase is used uh, within the draft legislation, set out why this is. You're basically operating a commercial business from a residential type property. Yeah. But you'll also, and, and a lot of this is very similar. If anybody has HMO licensing experience, it, a lot of it will be very familiar. Um, for anybody that hasn't or has only got an Airbnb type arrangement, then they're in for, I think, a bit of a shock. Um, you'll need a full set of safety certificates, so the usual gas, electrical insulation condition report, portable appliance test. You'll need a Legionella risk assessment. I'm sorry, Julian, this is going to be a bit of a list. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll need a fire risk assessment, an energy performance certificate. And you've got to display all of this to the council as part of the application. And this is obviously a cost that you know the host will need to take into account. So yes. again, this will be quite a difference for yeah. them too. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we'll probably cover some of the costs yeah. maybe that, that might be involved uh, as we go on. Um, but yeah, an EPC, uh, Energy Performance, Buildings Insurance, which everyone should have anyway. Yeah. You'll need public liability indemnity, which usually will be captured through a good landlord's contents or holiday letting contents type insurance. If you've got five or more occupants, you'll probably need to install an emergency light uh, for fire safety for exiting, um, which needs a certificate and annual servicing as well. You'll need to uh, display a site notice for 21 days outside the property saying what your name and address is, what your manager's name address is if you're using one, um, and uh, if you, someone's applying on your behalf. All, all of the people involved will need to put their name and addresses on, on there. Um, you put that on the lamppost outside, sits there for three weeks, and then you have to um, uh, provide evidence to the council that you did display the licence. Yeah. Um, so the, um, uh, the uh, site notice goes up on the mm -hmm. lamppost, stays there for three weeks. Anybody can then object. If somebody does object, or, or this is how it happens on HMO licensing, um, you then ask to attend uh, the uh, City of Edinburgh Council licensing committee hearing. 
So you physically go up to the, um, well, we were going physically, but now it's, it's done yeah. online and, and, and Zoom chats, um, but you'll need to uh, attend a hearing and explain mm -hmm. why you want the license. And the objector can be there as well and, and hear both sides. Um, so pretty much everything is HMO licensing level, really, yes. which I was a little surprised about when I read it. Well, are there any other conditions which short-term hosts will need to follow? Yes, and, and if anybody's picking up the legislation, I would recommend they read the last two pages, Appendix 2, which sets out what they call STL 1, 2, 3, 4. Um, and that can be objected to by oh, any okay. neighbour, mm -hmm. for instance, because people, um, uh, just to, to give an idea, um, your guests on the day of arrival will not be allowed to arrive before 7am and on the day of departure won't be allowed to depart after 9am from the uh, property. Um, and this is to do with uh, clanking suitcases up and down stairs or, or along alleyways and all the rest of it. Um, you won't be allowed to have a key box attached to any part of the communal building. It's interesting because so obviously we see so much of that, particularly in the centre. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're all familiar with walking along and there's the row of boxes outside uh, on, on, on door frames. Um, so those would appear to be something that's going to disappear. Um, so how will that work? Do people have to physically meet them to... Presumably, them to they'll, they'll have entry. to... Yeah, I mean, if, if the guest arrives uh, after seven, yeah. um, <laughs> they, uh, uh, and there's no key box, either it's a meet and greet, or there's a neighbour, or someone meets them, or potentially, I suppose, it, there may be the option to, to create a, a hub, a key box type hub in a shop somewhere where people go to collect their keys right. in the local area. And there may be a business opportunity there for somebody, but uh, something like that. But yeah, you, the key boxes will disappear. Um, and one other one, um, the, the the very last one it says is that you will need to fit carpets to the hallway, the living room, and the bedrooms uh, to to do with sound deadening. Now, uh, just jumping quickly to HMO, if you've got a ground floor flat and there's nobody underneath you, that that kind of rule is relaxed. Or if you've got a cottage in the middle of the field, in the middle of nowhere, up in I don't know, the Highlands, really, are you going to have to put carpets in? But we're, we're just looking at Edinburgh, who are oh, yes. probably looking at the tenement type arrangement. Mm -hmm. OK. And how often will licences have to be renewed and, and will it be per property or per landlord? It, it looks, from what I've seen, as though it will be per property, um, albeit with the licence holder attached to the property and anyone familiar with landlord registration, you register as a landlord and your property then sits with your registration so the two go hand in hand. Um, but um, annually uh, would appear to be the licence um, renewal um, period uh, and the fees are yet to be established. Mm -hmm. um, so again, more cost. Yeah. I would guess that, that they will be somewhere between, depending on maybe size of property, but anywhere between sort of four and eight hundred pounds would be a, a, a very rough guess. Okay. Well, well letting agents only specialising in short-term lets, they they don't need to be registered as an agent. However, they are legally obliged to comply with safety regulations. So, can you tell us more about this and and what certificates they will need to display? I know we talked about some things earlier that. That would be required. Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure how many um, let, letting agents possibly isn't the right word because letting agents, like we are at Cullen Property, yeah. um, we are um, all trained, we're all qualified, uh, we have a letting agent registration number, we have client money protection in place, we've got ombudsmans, we've got da 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 da, da you name it, we've got it. Uh, and most of the letting agents that are registered have, I think. Um, I'm not sure how many are just purely doing short-term or holiday letting. 
Um, I know there are various Airbnb related companies around the city. Um, I cannot see that we're going to end up in a scenario where letting agents and their landlords and their properties, residentials, are all registered. Short-term lettings, landlords, properties are all registered and there'll be a management company kind of looking after the short-terms who, who can sit there totally unregulated, unlicensed. So I think that will come along, but there's mm. nothing in there to, to, to really dictate that at the moment. Of, yeah, okay. Well, look, let's talk about control areas because if a property is deemed to be in an area with a high concentration of short-term lets, what are the implications for a landlord or agent? Yeah, I think if anybody's skimming through this podcast, um, they should listen to, if they listen to nothing else, they should listen to this, this, this bit. Um, because this was the uh, bit that you look at and go, wow, really? And read it twice and think, does it really mean that? Um, no one really knows how big the market is in any given area. I mean, we're talking about Edinburgh, but you know, if we went up to the Isle of Mull, for instance, mm -hmm. a completely different set of circumstances. So each local authority will, as I understand, be able to either issue or refuse licenses as they see fit. Um, some obviously will be very keen for uh, short-term letting hosts to, to have licenses and uh, may make it very easy to, to achieve this. We're just looking at Edinburgh's uh, arrangements. Um, so, you know, if you're in Tobermory and you want a tourism industry, they're great. Let's give people licenses easily. Um, others will use legislation to control it, like, like here in Edinburgh. Um, and I think it's worth noting here, uh, Edinburgh's draft legislation at 4.16, and I'm going to read this and I make no apology for that to make sure it's right, um, says the council has consistently called for the regulation of the short-term letting sector through the introduction of a licensing scheme. The council believes that tenemental accommodation or those with a shared main door are unsuitable for secondary short-term letting due to the character, location and risk of creating undue nuisance. The council also has concerns in relation to the risk that antisocial behaviour may be exacerbated within tenement or shared main door accommodation given the close proximity of other residential accommodation and communal areas. And then they're going to probably select one of two options and, and reiterate that this is a draft policy at the moment, it's not set no. in stone, mm -hmm. but it's clearly going this way. So the two options are either option A that secondary letting in tenement or shared main door accommodation is considered as unsuitable and there will be a rebuttal presumption against the grant of a license in such circumstances. Or option B, there will be a rebuttal presumption against the grant of a license for secondary letting in tenement or shared main door accommodation unless the applicant can demonstrate they have consent from the owners of all accommodation within the sterile clothes in which their accommodation is located. Right, what does yes. all that mean? It means, I think, that if you have a, um, a short-term let, and I, I, I suspect they will go for something on option B here, mm -hmm. because it, Gillian, if you own two flats mm -hmm. in a stair, and I own two flats, and there are only four flats in the whole stair, we both want to be able to continue and we're not affecting anybody else. Option B would allow us somehow to do that. And I think that will probably be the way it goes. Um, uh, but basically what it means, if, if that's not the circumstance and there are other residential owners in a stair, pretty much anybody could veto the whole stair and nobody would get a license in it. And it's a, it's an interesting term, Which isn't is it? Which is highly likely. Actually. Yeah. Obviously they're wanting to keep the communities within yeah. the tenements which um, 
it's obviously been one of the, the issues that's been talked about in recent years. Yeah. Re rebuttal. Yeah. Yeah. The, the phrase rebuttal presumption is an interesting way of Isn't saying it? no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that, that I take it to mean that's what it means. To presume that that will happen. Gosh, right. Edinburgh, it, it does enjoy a strong rental market and you know, offering excellent opportunities for both short and long term letting. And, and given it's a city renowned for you know, its universities, employment opportunities, it's popular with families and obviously a world-class destination for tourists as we're seeing right now. Mm -hmm. What are the main pros and cons to both types of lets? Yeah, and I think this is the question. Uh, I think anybody that now reads this, uh, people who have uh, residential, private residential tenancy landlords, um, like Cullen property landlords, uh, they they leave us to get on with it. They enjoy, enjoy what we term stress-free ownership. They, they get the money every month. They don't worry or think about their property and it's still they're receiving the income, it's going up in value and happy days. Uh, Short-term landlords have enjoyed uh, an environment where it's unregulated, that the money's been quite good, especially in August, um, but I think this will now start levelling up the playing field a bit. Um, I think typically, by the time you've thought about the cost of planning, which isn't insignificant, smoke alarms, safety certificates, license fees, notwithstanding carpets that you may need to buy, you're probably looking at the end of £2,000 to, to, to get set up and organised. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how many uh, short-term letting properties out there would be able to instantly tick all of the boxes that they require. So I suspect most people have some cost. Uh, beyond that then, assuming you can get a licence and you're not in a tenement where you can't, um, you then have to start weighing up the cost of those ongoing uh, certificates. Um, we've also seen as well in the last couple of three years uh, an increase in uh, the rental uh, value for properties. We use, uh, daily we receive inquiries using the uh, the fantastic, genuine plug here for uh, Julian and Citylet, um, the, the, the fantastic rental valuation tool. Um, and, uh, and that's really helpful for people trying to assess and I'd recommend any short-term letting landlord that's trying to weigh it up to, to, to use that yeah, tool. Um, we're happy to chat to them, um, plug for us as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think the, the increase in rental values means that the gap between what was previously perceived as really good on short-term letting versus residential, by the time the costs come in and the rents have gone up, and, you, you, and I'd recommend anyone doing a proper spreadsheet on this over a full year, I think you'll find it's, it's almost in parity now, particularly if you add in a, what you might call the hassle factor, you know, I, I know full well the, the Saturday changeovers, bedding, mm -hmm. towels, cleaning, and nipping and getting a cake and a bottle of wine. More for, for being with the keys if that is, is you know, going through yep. the situation. Yep. And as you see, it's not just the first initial setup costs. These are ongoing costs. These certificates have to be renewed. Well, they're all different from whether some are obviously yearly, some are every few years, five years. You know, this, yeah. they're ongoing costs, as you mentioned. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and, and even there, you know, we're talking just about the pure um, cost. If you've got a nice old flat in, in the new town, you think, great, I'll apply for my licence. I'll get, an, for instance, an electrical installation condition report. The electrician comes along and says, well, you need a new fuse board. I can't pass this. There may be other costs in trying to get to the starting line. Um, and once you're there, okay, an EICR runs for five years, um, but gas, PAT, uh, their, their annual, mm -hmm. emergency lighting, annual, license, annual, yep. you know, there, there are a number of costs that you simply haven't had before. Um, and you, everybody now knows who you are and has got your name and number. Mm -hmm. So anything going wrong, they're going to be on the phone to you. So I think a lot of short-term letting hosts will now think, hang on a minute, is now the time to consider. And some may have no choice 
because they simply won't be able to obtain a license. Mm -hmm. I mean, do, do you feel that the Edinburgh markets is saturated with short-term lets just now? No, I, 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 I don't. Um, and, and, I, and I think the legislation it, it, it isn't really looking at trying to desaturate or anything else. It, it's purely looking at trying to bring back community to some areas and remove key boxes and make it feel more like a, um, a, a place where we live. And let's face it, that's the council's primary consideration. It's not to supply a tourism market. Um, so I can understand some of why they're doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's saturated, and I do think it, it does need some regulation because it can't be right that you know some elderly couple or a, a young family are being disturbed every weekend by someone a non-resident yeah. landlord, non-regulated, and people clanking up and down the stairs. That's not right either. Yeah. But th there's been several factors in the past few years that have influenced landlords and and how they let the properties. You know, from there's been a considerable amount of new legislation introduced affecting long-term lets and then the pandemic, and now the legislation for short-term lets. So what's been your experience with landlords transitioning between the two markets? We saw quite a few uh, transitioning, particularly during 2020. Last time I was here was September 2020. Yeah, it was and, Yeah, two years ago, that's flown by in many ways. Um, but at that point where people couldn't travel, landlord, the short-term letting operators were thinking, cranky, what, what do we do? So we uh, transitioned quite a lot of uh, uh, short-term letting over onto private residential tenancy. Uh, not one single one has, has gone back. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, not, not one. And, uh, and I think it comes down to, the, as we phrase it, the stress-free ownership. Yeah. They don't worry about it. The money mm -hmm. turns up every month. Um, they, they don't want to go back of the hassle factor. And again, back where yeah. they, when you work it out, what's the actual cash revenue difference? If it's mm -hmm. significant, great, carry on. But I think most people will find it's, it's not really worth it anymore. For, for the average yeah. person who's not doing it as a professional, it's arrangement it's, it's more of a I've got a spare flat and I'll do Airbnb yeah because quite a lot of landlords have their own full time yeah, employment yeah yeah. Um, so that's interesting to hear so none of them have transitioned back obviously some will still have long term tenants in them but for those that where the tenants have left under that PRT they've then renewed in another with, yeah. with new tenants that's interesting okay well with regard to landlords transitioning to another type of let mm -hmm. what are the mortgage implications then as some lenders don't allow short term lets okay I'm not an IFA, I'm not a tax accountant, <laughs> all right, I just to state my position. Um, uh, but yeah, we know a bit about property. Um, any lender uh, will typically, I've been there, somewhere in their clauses that you need to inform them if there's any kind of changes to anything happening, um, or if it's void for a prolonged period, or there's a major issue with it, anything like that, you, you're supposed to inform them. So I think for, for everybody, read your, read your mortgage policy, see what yeah. it says, and um, I'm not convinced that many mortgage uh, lenders will now start treating it as commercial lending just because it's a change of use. It's still basically a residential property. Yeah. Um, most buy-to-let mortgages have some allowance anyway, to, to whether it's holiday letting, short-term letting. Uh, that, that's not, um, that will probably continue, but it's worth checking. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, there's a number of groups and companies from the Scottish tourism sector uh, warned that the new short-term le legislation could jeopardise its 17,000 jobs and take out almost a million a day from the Scottish economy. 
also um, Chief Executive of the Association of Scotland's Self-Caterers, Fiona Campbell. She said that this piece of legislation is unfit for purpose. So what's your opinion on this? Um, I, I think if you look at where we are at the moment, which is totally unregulated, that, that, that's not really a good place to be. Um, particularly how we, we've seen it grow in the last few years and we've got the, this is why we're talking about these issues. Um, is the legislation, and we're just looking at Edinburgh, um, too heavy, perhaps, for certain stairs? Um, I think having something that's heavy and is there, you can always rescind it and, and draw back on it, and you can apply, and the council have the power to issue a licence or not. So they, they could issue licences, but you, you have to operate properly then. Um, uh, a million pounds a day out of the Scottish economy, it, it, we're talking about Edinburgh. For many places, you won't want it to affect your tourism market. You know, we talked about places like uh, the mm -hmm. Highlands, uh, the the, um, uh, the various isles, um, places uh, like, say, North Berwick or somewhere like that that's got a, a high tourism and people, the businesses there want it to continue. Yeah. So why would, for instance, East Lothian there be trying to put barriers in the way? Um, so I think it's horses for courses. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not convinced that you can just look at taking money out. You've got to look at what comes in again. So suddenly the electricians and the gas engineers are going to be busy doing uh, certificates, for instance. There'll be revenue to the council, um, which will hopefully then come back in and, and support other areas. So it's, you know, it's not, you can't look at it just one way, but it, certainly the legislation is on the heavier side than I was expecting. Okay, well, well, in your opinion then, what will be the long-term effects of new legislation for short-term lets? on the private residential lettings market? I think a lot will have almost no choice but to either um, well, sell, and I don't think many people will want to do that, particularly with high inflation as it is, property prices growing. You don't want the cash and then sitting in a bank going backwards, so people will think, okay, what else can I do? Um, I think a lot will transition and bring them back into the private residential tenancy, the, the uh, residential uh, market. Um, uh, we, we can help with that, by the way, just, just uh, if I can say that. Um, and, uh, and use the valuation tool to see what that might, uh, uh, you may be able to, to achieve there. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot will come back, and I think that will be good news for tenants who have been struggling in continually and increasingly struggling to find property. So it will help to ease slightly rents. I don't think rents will suddenly go down because the demand is there where you would need an awful lot of properties coming on. Uh, to, to, to have any demand. major effect there. Mm -hmm. yeah, and when you've got you know, 20 inquiries for every property you put on within 24 yeah, hours, you, least, you, yeah. you, you're not going to suddenly dampen that enthusiasm uh, by bringing on a number of properties. So I, I think it will help. I think it will be probably good for um, many of the stairs and the community around Edinburgh. Uh, I don't think it will adversely, hugely affect tourism because I think tourism has been around Edinburgh for many, many years before Airbnb type operations yeah. arrived. It will work itself out. The guest houses and hotels are probably quite pleased, but yeah, it, it will, it will, the, the, you know, it will flow to where it can can be um, facilitated. Um, but it will certainly be a help for the private residential tenancy market, and, and it's kind of quite welcome in that regard. Excellent. Well, it's been really interesting to, to chat about this with you. So thank you again for taking the time to come on. Lovely. Thank you, Gillian. And uh, last thing I would say, read the legislation to anyone listening to this. It's, it's, it, it really is uh, uh, interesting and will affect everybody. And thank you for inviting me along Perfect. this morning. Well, obviously there will be um, a blog regarding the podcast and we can provide a link actually to the draft. I'll put Brilliant. that in. Okay. Thank All right. You. Thanks, Steve.
I'm Gillian Semler. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to the Let's Talk channel on all the usual platforms, including Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud, as well as on citylets.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And also let your friends know where to find us. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show providing insight into the world of property letting. More information on today's show can always be found on our show notes along with this podcast. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's talk at citylets.co.uk.